Space Front, true believers, and welcome back to another episode of Knights, a Marvel podcast. In anticipation for the movie, we will be doing a two-episode special on Venom. It's essentially where he is in the movie. So we're going to be doing The Amazing Spider-Man number 375, The A Story, because it is a giant-sized issue. We're only doing the first story that involves Venom. And then next week, sorry, not next week, the week after, the week the film comes out on, we'll be doing Venom Lethal Protector number one, and that'll get you all caught up. You'll know everything about Venom's origin, um, with Eddie Brock anyway. You'll know where he is, what mindset he's in when he uh, first comes to San Francisco to be the Lethal Protector, which is where we pick up at the beginning of the film. You'll learn about his surrounding characters, or his supporting characters rather, like his ex-wife, you know, his, his uh, reporting days that sort of thing, and uh, hopefully hopefully that'll get you ready for the movie, and, and you'll enjoy those episodes. Anyway, um, let's get into it. So the cover is done by the awesome and wonderful Mark Bagley, who is probably my favorite artist in all of comic books. He did Spider-Man in the 90s, he did Venom Lethal Protector, um, which we'll be talking about in a couple of weeks, and he did Ultimate Spider-Man, which is like one of the greatest runs in all of comics, uh, as stands in my opinion. I mean, this guy's all over the place though, to be fair. He, he gets a Around. He does a lot of work. He did uh, GSA, I believe, as well. He also did Mark Wade's Hulk, which I really like. That is to say, the Doc Green run of the Hulk, that era. This comic, by the way, has this awesome sort of vaguely luminescent uh, reflective gold cover, which I like a lot. It's sort of foily. By the way, if you're listening to this on Podbean, the image that you see for the episode is, in fact, the cover for this book. I've just uh, photoshopped it into a new setting. Which is interesting to note if you're on iTunes or SoundCloud or... Actually, I haven't been uploading to SoundCloud. Um, Google Play or anywhere else like that. If you go to Podbean, there's different art than on iTunes and all those other places. So um, usually I have like a standardized one. So the one you're seeing if you're on iTunes, like that's the original piece of art that I made for the uh, the episodes. And I did this other one where all the figures are silhouetted and there's Luke Cage and, and Spider-Man and Daredevil and Moon Knight and all that stuff. And uh, Ghost Rider and Iron Fist and Punisher. But um, yeah, I've, for this Venom special, I'm going to have art exclusive to Podbean for these episodes alone. So there's going to be the uh, 375 cover, and for the next one, I'll have a different piece of art. And so if you're on iTunes, even if you don't download the episodes on Podbean, I'd recommend going over there and uh, checking those out because they're pretty cool. I, at least I think. But uh, let's get into the meat and bones of the issue, much like Venom's teeth. <laughs> Actually, the film seems to be very much into Venom eating the crap out of people, but the thing is, like, that's something I'm very much against as a comic book reader, because that's not what Venom does. He does threaten to eat people and, uh, like, suck the bone marrow from Spider-Man and that, that sort of thing, but he never actually does it, because Venom cares about people and he does only what he thinks he has to, like, he's, he's a good person at heart. Anyway, if you want to hear me rant about that, I did, like, six minutes of it on my YouTube channel the other day. Uh, check out my YouTube channel, by the way. It's Ethan Ainsworth on YouTube. That's E-T-H-A-N, obviously, uh, A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H. Link in the description. Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, this book, this issue, is written by David Michelini, who's an awesome writer, and uh, he did many, many interesting and uh, 
the love stories, including, as you're probably familiar, that legendary run on Invincible Iron Man that contains the Demon in the Bottle story arc. Actually, if I'm not wrong, we've covered Michelinie on the show before. That Ant-Man story we did was written by David Michelinie. As talked about in episode 3 of Nights, a Marvel podcast hosted by Ethan Ainsworth. Anyways, so getting into the issue, we uh, were in Brooklyn at an amusement park called Thrill World. And remember Thrill World, because the name of this amusement park will come into play later. But anyway, Venom is in one of the abandoned storage houses, or I guess it's not abandoned. It's just that the park is closed for the uh, for the season because it's it's become close to winter, I suppose. And uh, Venom is in this, this warehouse or storage house or whatever you want to call it with the parents of Peter Parker, Richard and Mary Parker. So if you don't know, around this time, this was published in 1993, by the way, around this time, uh, Peter Parker's parents were revealed to have been alive because all this time they were spies. And uh, as the story has it, they were they were trapped um, in this prison camp for like 20 years. And um, and so because of that, they, they hadn't been around and Peter thought they were dead because they, they died in a plane crash. But um, but now they're back in the Amazing Spider-Man stories. But uh, that, that's not actually the case, it turns out, because they're androids. <laughs> they're androids who think they're Peter Parker's parents, but really they're just created, uh, they're robots created by the Red Skull, who may or may not also turn out to not be the Red Skull. Uh, I can't remember. But in fact, Peter Parker's parents were spies, and they did die in a plane crash, but they did not come back or survive, or were they weren't held in a prison camp or anything like that. Um, in the Ultimate Universe as well, they died in a plane crash, and in the movies and stuff, they died in a plane crash. Actually, in the Sam Raimi continuity, uh, which is the films with Tobey Maguire, which are the films with Tobey Maguire, rather, um, the novelizations of those have a little bit more backstory, and so you do sort of get a look into the lives of Peter Parker's parents and Peter Parker in his early childhood, and they are stated in that book, while not referenced in the um, the film itself very much, they, they were stated to have died in a plane crash in that universe as well. So that's, that's basically the through line with his parents, but uh, his parents have different occupations depending on the universe. For example, in the Ultimate Universe, Peter Parker's father, Richard Parker, was uh, was like this super genius, and he was working with like the likes of Reed Richards, and on that level, anyway. And um, he did he discovered a cure for cancer, but unfortunately, because he signed the wrong paper for the wrong person, as it quotes Trask of Trask Industries, he uh, the suit was stolen from him, and he tried to get away with like the data so that he can in fact cure cancer and help the world. But um, he was killed along with Mary Parker in a plane crash, and that suit that he designed to cure cancer um, ended up becoming bonded with his partner's son, Edward Brock Jr., and that suit went on to become Venom uh, in the Ultimate Universe, anyway. <laughs> Nonetheless, the writers nor the audience knew at this time that uh, that Peter Parker's parents were in fact androids created by the Red Skull. But essentially, Eddie Brock, in a very weird sort of um, character moment, he essentially kidnaps <laughs> Peter Parker's parents, not maliciously, but to protect them from the cancer that he perceives to be Peter Parker. And um, basically what he's saying is he's keeping them away from Peter to keep them safe. And it's at this point that he realizes that they don't know that he's Spider-Man. He hasn't told them. And he decides to keep that from them as well because he thinks it would break their hearts so venom's motivation is pure here but he's just a lunatic and he's going about this in a really crazy way <laughs> 
There's a lot of crazy extreme personalities in this issue because we cut to J. Jonah Jameson in his office at the Daily Bugle and he's talking to Silver Sable and he's essentially hired the Wild Pack to apprehend Venom, <laughs> kidnap him, and take him to the Daily Bugle for an interview. I have no idea how Jameson supposes that'll go down because he's a moron, but uh, that that's what he's doing. He's trying to kidnap a supervillain who can lift like several tens of tons and he wants him to be brought here to his office so he can interview him. Yeah, that'll go over well. Hey Jameson, while you're at it, why don't you set up an interview with Pennywise. I hear he hangs out in a storm drain on 5th Avenue. So Spider-Man goes to the apartment, or I guess the penthouse, because apparently she's quite well to do with her lawyer job. Uh, he goes to the penthouse of Eddie Brock's ex-wife. Peter tells her he needs information now, and uh, she says she doesn't want to have anything to do with Brock or what he's doing, and he tells her that uh, lives are at stake, and hearing this, she immediately agrees to, uh, to tell Peter all she knows and anything that she deems as useful information about Eddie Brock and so the two sit down and have coffee as she explains to him that Eddie used to be this sort of sweet witty uh, guy with a boyish charm about him you could see it in his eyes she says and um, his father unfortunately was like had no time for him and he was really angry all the time and he was disappointed in his son Eddie even though he was like a, a worthwhile reputable reporter at the Daily Globe which is where Eddie Brock worked at the time um, but like one day something happened and he sort of lost his his charm his his sort of soft edges as she explains Eddie losing his job for the whole hoax story was uh, was the final wedge between himself and his father and after that he sort of fell into a depression you know his career had been ruined he'd worked really really hard to become a star reporter his father was no longer speaking to him it was uh, it was a really rough time for him and you know he grew to hate spider-man because of this he grew to hate spider-man because he blamed him for um, exposing him he blamed him for him losing his career in the whatever standing he happened to have with his father she mentions that his eyes used to shine when he took her to the fair the uh, the very same fair from the beginning of the issue thrill park it's called it's in brooklyn so peter parker uh, having learned that thrill park was eddie's favorite place he uh, he takes that as a lead as a sort of place to go and check for his parents and so he thanks his ex-wife for his time and uh, makes his way off but she's sort of having second thoughts about her philosophy she thinks perhaps she's responsible in part for eddie for uh, for his becoming venom or rather for his his sickness because he's gone off the rails he's uncontrollable without her love and support sorry i, I just realized i was calling it thrill park it's called Thrill World. So Eddie realizes that Peter found him in the park because he hears him outside. He leaves Mary and Richard Parker alone in the sort of storage house. And Richard finds a piece of glass that was shattered in the previous issue. And now that the webbing is starting to uh, break down, starting to dissolve a little bit, he's able to quite easily uh, cut the webbing with the piece of mirror he found. So Eddie Brock and Peter Parker have a quick back and forth, blah 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 And then his ex-wife shows up and he gets distracted. So basically what happened is after her talk with Peter, Peter Parker, the Spider-Man, <laughs> the Spider-Man, uh, she decided that it was her responsibility to make sure Eddie didn't hurt anyone else, and so she took a cab over to the amusement park to confront him personally and try to see if she can uh, reason with him, sort of talk him down, as it were. And so, while Eddie's talking to his ex-wife, he's assaulted with a sonic gun by the Wild Pack, hired, of course, by J. Jonah Jameson, led by Silver Sable, who is absent, however, from this battle. And I've got to say, just how spectacular, no pun intended, 
underrated. The art is in this book. My god, Mark Bagley does a fantastic job here with issue 375 of Spider-Man. Oh, by the way, I should mention that this is the 30th anniversary uh, issue of, of Amazing Spider-Man. Not from the first appearance of Spider-Man, which happened six months prior to the first issue of his solo series, but from the initial uh, premiere date of his solo series, The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, but anyway, oh my god, the way that the symbiote uh, wraps itself around Eddie in sort of uh, tentacles around, it, it's really, really, really interesting uh, to look at. You can see how everything works. You can see how Eddie fits inside the suit and how the suit morphs about uh, to um, to create these sort of weird constructs. And it's really, really cool. It's it's really cool. I recommend you get this book um, in, in some way, shape, or form purely to look at the art. Anything by Mark Bagley is just spectacular. So Eddie thinks immediately that Spider-Man manipulated his ex-wife to um, distract him while the power pack attacked him with the sonic weaponry and this pisses him off like he gets really mad and he grabs Spider-Man by the skull and he grabs him by the face and wraps his symbiote all the way around his skull over and over and over so there's no way he could escape or breathe and then he keeps slamming his head into the concrete repeatedly like this is a brutal moment. This really really awesome knockdown drag out fight ensues between uh, Venom, Spider-Man, and the Wild Pack. There's dodging of flamethrowers that looks really cool. There's slamming people's head into the concrete. There's some back and forth between Spider-Man and Venom, some trading of, uh, of punches, as it were. It's really, really cool. But what's important here is that... <laughs> <laughs> Eddie slams Peter's head into the ground so hard. It, it happens right near the Ferris wheel. He slams his head into the ground with such force that it loosens the uh, the hinges in the brace for the Ferris wheel. And the Ferris wheel begins to tip over. And uh, Eddie doesn't notice this immediately. And in fact, he won't notice it until after he's done fighting, essentially. And his suit's like nothing his suits like little bits and fragments on him just sort of willing itself to stay together sort of willing itself to remain in its uh current composure but um like he's he's basically out for the count and he realizes that this ferris wheel is gonna fall on his ex-wife like the woman he loves and so he runs over and he grabs the ferris wheel he catches it and um peter parker comes to like he wasn't knocked out but he, he gathers his bearings which is really impressive i think because if you knock somebody's head through the concrete with that force that many times and they're able to like get up afterwards like that's that's pretty impressive but um anyway peter grabs the ferris wheel and he pushes it off of um he pushes it out of the way he like launches it because peter parker's strong as hell as well remember um so eddie brock like he quickly realizes that he's not strong enough with his suit in the current state to uh to lift the ferris wheel off of his his sort of ex-wife to save his ex-wife and peter parker jumps in there and together they toss this ferris wheel like 20 feet um and flip it over in the complete opposite direction which is cool but um eddie brock realizes because of this that like peter parker's not such a bad guy and they sort of have the conversation him and his ex-wife they uh his ex-wife essentially says like think about all the innocent people that will die because Peter Parker is dead or not she doesn't know who he is because um because she's not in that sort of circle but imagine how many innocent people would die in the future if you kill Spider-Man and Eddie's like you're right I can't kill Spider-Man uh because innocent people will die and my oath is to protect the innocent um who or whomever Eddie Brock perceives to be innocent his his sort of moral compass is skewed but he realizes that he can't kill Spider-Man because it would be against his sort of uh ambitions which is to protect the innocent and he's realized definitively 
predictably that that is indeed what Spider-Man does. Spider-Man isn't pure evil. He hates Spider-Man because he blames him for all his misfortune. But he realizes that Spider-Man is not a force of pure evil and he does in fact help the innocent. And uh, in killing him, he would be bringing death essentially upon those who Spider-Man would in the future protect. Uh, who he would save and so they create a truce and um, Peter Parker is very hesitant to accept this truce but he doesn't see that he has any other choice so they they agree to leave each other alone and Eddie Brock sort of hitches a ride on a uh, on a helicopter that's sort of passing over top and Spider-Man shoots a web tracer a spider tracer as it were onto the sort of shin of Eddie Brock's leg and Eddie proceeds to grab it with tiny tentacles and crush it so Peter Parker has no idea where Eddie is um, and the story ends with Peter standing in the sort of wreckage of the amusement park with the wild pack and Eddie Brock's ex-wife and he's thinking to himself like can I really do this I mean Eddie will leave me alone if I leave him alone but isn't he my responsibility aren't I in a way responsible for the creation of Venom um which by the way I I, I don't think he is I don't think you can blame Spider-Man for uh for the creation of Venom because the circumstances were completely out of his control um Venom is not a product of Spider-Man in that Spider-Man sort of did something wrong he didn't make any mistakes um, that led to the creation of Venom. But anyway, um, I, I thought that was a good moment. It sort of leads you into Lethal Protector, which comes out later in the month. Um, so that's what we'll get to in two weeks is Venom Lethal Protector number one. I can't wait to do it. Uh, these stories are really fun, these Venom stories. And Venom's an absolute goofball <laughs> in, uh, in Lethal Protector. So so get ready for that. Get, get, uh, get excited. Also, I'm attending Atlanticon this weekend uh, from Friday to Sunday. I'm going to be there all day, every day, because I work there. Um, it's a local comic book convention, and uh, if, if you're interested, look it up if you're in the Cornerbrook, Newfoundland area. I know I do have some followers, um, some people who enjoy my content from the area, so don't be afraid to approach me. I'll either be dressed as Iron Fist or I just won't be dressed up at all. But um, either way, I'll have a, a tag, a badge, as it were. And if you see that badge, that means, you know, if my name's on it, Ethan Ainsworth, that means it's without a doubt me. Actually, I was at a meeting for today, and I was talking to the uh, the owner of the con, Jeff Keeping, about my podcast, and he was saying like, "Oh man, you should have uh, you should have had a panel there. That would have been great. You could have done your podcast live." And you know what? I wish I'd thought of that. And I guess I kind of did um, think about having a panel about comic books there, but it never crossed my mind to sort of set up a panel where I would do the show live. And I think that would be really cool. I could take questions from the audience and that sort of thing. Would have been a lot of fun. So maybe next year I'll do that. Oh, um, also I've been inserting music at the beginnings and ends of these shows. So uh, if you like that, let me know. Uh, if you have any recommendations for copyright free music or any music from um, really old Spider-Man video games or something like that, let me know and I'll put that in um, potentially. But yeah, that's what I've been using. I've been using the, <laughs> I've been using the soundtrack from Spider-Man 2000, which is the just the adjectiveless Spider-Man. Spider-Man game that was released for the N64 and PlayStation 1 generally referred to though in the fan community as Spider-Man 2000. But uh yeah, that's it for the show this week. I'll uh, I'll talk to you guys later. Um bye bye. How am I going to fight both those creeps at the same time? Huh? Whose webbing is that? Need a hand, pal? Eddie Brock? How did you get up here? Same way you did, Spider-Punk or do you mind if we just call you Peter Parker? What did you say? Ooh, you're quite the bully when you want to be, aren't you, Parker? Problem is, Eddie Brock isn't the same guy he once was. Why don't we introduce you to our better half? We call ourselves Venom.